that last sentence, when we were far apart, you came running with open arms. Think about the prodigal. The prodigals that came back and there was the father with his arms open wide, ready to receive the prodigal back. And I know that many of us do have prodigals in our families. Picture that. Envision the father welcoming the prodigals with open arms. Well, as you were in the hustle of all the activity preparing for Christmas, is your heart merry? Think about that. Is your heart merry? You know, this season brings a lot of activity. It brings extra cleaning, decorating, sending cards, baking, church and school programs, family gatherings, and not to mention all the shopping in the midst of working part-time and full-time jobs. And thinking about this can make you feel pretty overwhelmed. Uh, I know sometimes I catch myself, you know, thinking about, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this, you know. And I've been keeping a things to do list for years and I still keep it. I started it in my 20s. <laughs> and it really helps me to stay focused, you know, by writing that down all the time. But Sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out the way that I want it to. You have things in your life that really doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to. Maybe that day you were, you got up in the morning and you're all excited and you're thinking, wow, I'm going to get this done and this done and this done. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. Just like that song, the seasons change. Things change in our life. And we don't have any idea that it was going to change. And so I remember one day of just sitting down and saying, God, all I'm doing is reaching dead ends. You ever feel like you're just reaching dead ends? You're not able to do the things that you used to do. You're not able to do the things that you want to do. And you're not able to be like you used to be. Things change. But that day, I opened up my Bible to Proverbs 15, 13. And I believe this is a scripture that we need to really seek every day. A merry heart makes a, a cheerful countenance. A merry heart. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The word merry is taken from the Hebrew word, which, samash, which means blithe, joyful, gleeful, and rejoicing. So think of that. When you're in the midst of all the activity and you're in the midst of all the things that are going on in your life, are you merry? Are you gleeful? Are you rejoicing? Well, I know there's been times that my countenance was anything but rejoicing. It was anything but joyful and I was feeling overwhelmed, which was beginning to cause strife in my life. And sometimes you can get so overwhelmed that it begins to cause strife. God's word teaches us to keep our focus on God, doesn't it? And his plan for everything in our life. I'm sorry to say that sometimes my focus is on my things to do list. I wanted to get that done. I wanted to get that done. I wanted to get that done. 
you know? And there are times that you just have to let go of it. You just have to let go and let God. Let God do what he wants to do in that day. And trust him that everything that was accomplished is what God wanted to get accomplished that day. Maybe you get, well, my husband says I get 30 phone calls a day. <laughs> I don't get 30, but <laughs> he was telling his family, you know, that I get 30 phone calls. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe you've had call after call after call after call, and you're just not getting the things done that you thought you were going to do. Well, Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are steadfast on him because we trust him. Why? Because we trust him. Why do we keep our minds steadfast on him? Because we trust him. As long as we have our eyes on the trials in our life, we're not going to see God bigger than the, our problems. Many times we see the problems so big that we can't see our God who is bigger than our problems. And when I lay my plans all at Jesus' feet, I give them over to him. I begin to thank him for his plans. And I've learned to do that. I didn't know that years ago, and I didn't do that years ago, but I have learned to do that. I have learned to say, okay, Lord, here it is, and just write it down and give it over and give it over and give it over. And as I go back on my journal and see those things that I have given, it is amazing how God has gotten me through those things. You can look back and see all the things that God has done. We're coming to the end of the year. Look back in this past year and see once what all God has done with us, with our families, individually, all kinds of things that God has brought to our remembrance of him. You know, I was telling him this morning when I was having my time with him and I said, Lord, you've always been faithful to me. You've never left me down. You've always been faithful, but no matter what was going on, no matter what situation I was going through, you've never left me down. You've always been there. Think about that. Proverbs 17, says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. The message says, A cheerful disposition is good for your health. You get that? For your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. So the question is, are you feeling gloom and doom that is leaving you bone tired? Do you need to rediscover God's love for you? Or do you have a cheerful disposition because your focus is on Jesus? See, that's what keeps our cheerful disposition, our focus on Jesus. That's how we stay merry. That's how we stay rejoicing. That's how we stay gleeful. That's where he wants us. I was watching a Hallmark movie. <laughs> Brett doesn't like Hallmark movies. <laughs> Most men don't. <laughs> but the women, they get together and, you know, it's like, I like the Hallmark movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
And Fred always says, I'm not watching that. <laughs> but anyhow, there's a movie on. I was watching it this past week, and a woman had experienced grief over her precious husband who died of a disease. She had gone to church, and she knew about God, but she didn't have a relationship with him. And you know, there are many people that know about him. I used to be there, but they don't know him. And when her husband died, she prayed and she prayed and she prayed for him to live. But he didn't. He died. And so she stopped going to church. She stopped praying. But she didn't know him. And I was thinking about this. You know, uh, I've been looking at different things on Facebook, you know, that people were putting on. Oh, this is my mother, this is my brother, you know, he's died, my friend, you know, and all of that. And I felt like, you know, God just really wants to address this. Because there's so many hurting people right now at this time of the year. And sometimes, you know, we, we think about, oh, we're in such a storm, what are we going to do? But you know what? You get to know God before the storms come. So that when you know him, you know that he's going to get you through that storm. You know that, yes, you're grieving. And yes, you have a loss. And yes, you will grieve. But you won't walk away from God. You will know that he's right there with you. He promises that he will never leave and never forsake you. And you're going to take a hold of that promise that no matter what, because we know that someday we're going to join them. They're in heaven. We're going to join them. And that's not always easy to think about when it first happens, especially maybe it's a sudden, a sudden death. Sometimes people that have been sick for a long, long time, it doesn't come as a strong grief as it does if a sudden death. But it's difficult. Sometimes there are sudden moments that happen in a person's life that dramatically change the rest of your life. And some of us have gone through that. Job 17, 11 says, My days are past. My purposes and plans are frustrated. Even the thoughts, the desires, and the possessions of my heart are broken off. That's deep grief. Very deep. Sudden, unexpected, painful moments can take you from the mountaintop and drop you into a deep valley of pain and sorrow, which can cause you to spiral into a depression. What are you going to hold on to? You've been on that mountaintop and everything's been going really great. Your life seems, you know, do you ever look at people and, and sometimes you think, wow, they have got it made. <laughs> there's just nothing going on. Their family's intact. You know, they're, they're doing great. But then all of a sudden something happens and it changes their whole life or it changes your whole life. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought and planned, 
So shall it come to pass, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. How in the world could suffering be a part of God's perfect plan? In Genesis 3, Satan entered into the picture and is loose here on earth. He's infecting people's hearts and their minds, and God allows us to choose his way or Satan's. However, when we seek God for every situation that's going on in our life, what was intended for evil, God's going to weave all of that into a beautiful tapestry of our life. If you look back on all the hurtful things that you've gone through, all the sorrow that you've gone through, where are you at now? God takes and he just weaves that good and he weaves that bad, that sorrow and that pain and he makes a beautiful tapestry. I can look back on my life on the hardest thing that I ever went through, which was a divorce in my first marriage. And that's the best thing that happened to me. The best thing that happened to me because I met God. I really got to know him. I got to know his heart. And it changed me. I'm not the same person that I was then. It changed me. And we're to be growing. We're to be getting stronger in the Lord, stronger in our faith. We all know the story of Joseph. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers. Yet after going through all the suffering that he went through, God suddenly brought him to the highest position next to the king of Egypt. He had, he had a dream from the very beginning, telling his brothers, you know, he's all excited. But then God takes him from that dream and he's in a pit. You ever feel like you're in a pit? What is God gonna do with you while you're in that pit? He wants you to trust him. He wants you to rely on him and cling to him. And when he was faced with his brothers who needed help when a famine came in Egypt, this is what he said. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. God knew what he was doing, and God knows what he's doing in our lives right now. One night I had a dream while I was in the midst of the separation in my first marriage, and Jesus was showing me a whole stack of drawers. I mean, there was a whole stack of them, stack after stack after stack. And he would open up a drawer, and he would show me only what he wanted me to know. And I wanted all the other ones, you know, like a little kid that's all excited, you know, and wants to see what's in there, or an animal, like a cat, <laughs> you know, wants to see what's in that box or what's in that drawer. Well, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see it. And Jesus said like this, he goes, no, it's not for now. It's not for now. Do you realize that if we saw all the drawers that Jesus is keeping for us, we couldn't handle it. So he only gives us what we're ready to handle. So he's got to grow us up. A baby isn't going to eat meat. They're not ready for meat yet. And that's the way a baby Christian is. 
They've got to start out on the milk and then go to the meat. But that's how we start out. We came in here as little babies, depending on our parents, depending on our mama to feed us. And then as we get older, we have to come to that dependency upon God that he's going to feed us, that he's going to take care of us, that he's going to be there with us through thick and thin. Anything that goes on in our life, he's there with us. In the midst of a lot of pain and suffering, I received another dream. And I saw a Christmas tree with lots of presents under it. My eye was really drawn to them since they sparkled. You ever have a dream that something's really sparkling in that dream? Well, these packages were really sparkling. And I was so excited, I wanted to open all of them. However, Jesus again said no. And he wouldn't let me open any of them at that point. Because you see, I wasn't ready to see what was in those presents. Now, we all love special gifts. And he was telling me that he had a special gift for me. And I was going to be amazed, but I'm not going to understand. God didn't call us to understand everything, did he? He called us to trust him. And so, it was about a week or so after that, all of a sudden, he gave me another vision this time. And I saw the word S-U-F-F-E-R-I-N-G suffering. That's what I saw. And I said, this, and he said, this is your gift. You ever think of suffering as a gift? I never did. <laughs> and he said, this is your gift. You know, how can that be a gift? You know, you're saying, suffering? Let me out of here. I don't want any part of suffering, right? You don't want that. Who wants to suffer? We don't. We don't want to suffer. What in the world was God thinking? What was his purpose? Well, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, your thoughts. Someone said that suffering is the fertilizer that produces growth in the valleys. We don't grow on the mountaintops. You realize that? We don't grow on the mountaintops. We have all this excitement and joy, and oh, we're not growing. We're just on that mountaintop. <laughs> it's those valleys that produce the growth. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, So, since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, for you, arm yourselves with the same thought and purpose. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ, is done with intentional sin and has stopped pleasing himself and the world and now pleases God. You see, when we grow in the Lord, we want to please him. We want to do what he wants. When he says to say something, we want to say it. 
If he tells us to go out there and talk to somebody that we have no clue what they're like, we don't know them at all, he says, go talk to them. You don't have no idea what you're going to say. I've had that happen to me many times. And you have no idea what you're going to say to them, but you're just trusting the Lord that he told you to do that. Then we need to do that. Because God wants to bless us. And he wants to bless that person. And when he has you ministering to somebody and, and just reaching out to someone, you get blessed in the midst of that. Not only does that person get blessed, but you're like, wow, God, I had no idea that I was going to say that. Wow, God, you're awesome. <laughs> I'm amazed, Lord. Romans 5, 2 to 5 says, Therefore, since we are justified, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold on and enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Where do we get our peace? Him. We have that fruit inside of us, but the Holy Spirit has to accomplish it. I remember I was at a, we were getting ready to, to do a renewal, and we were going into this church, and just as I went to go through the door, I heard the Lord say, you carry my peace. I've never forgotten that. I believe that when, no matter where I'm going, I carry his peace. You see, you carry his peace. And when God spoke that to me, I took a hold of that. Now, I've been told that, but I never really realized it. And I took a hold of that. Through him, we have access, entrance introduction by faith through him we have access by faith into this grace in which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of god let us enjoy the glory of god Moreover, let us all be full of joy now. Are you full of joy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's hard when your emotions don't want to line up with your spirit. Your spirit's always ready to worship God. Your spirit gets up in the morning and is like, yeah, hallelujah, praise God. Your flesh is, oh, I'm tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. How do you get the two? You got to follow the Spirit. And you know what you do? Here's my flesh, Lord. I don't want any part of it today. <laughs> uh-uh. No, I'm trusting you because now you're going to focus on him. Now you got your focus off of yourself and you got your focus on him. Then I realized, as I went along, that I received other gifts in the midst of the suffering. A test is actually a gift from God. A test. Now, I don't know about you, but tests are not my favorite thing to do. You know, when I was going to become an insurance agent, I had to take all these tests. I had to study, study, study for all these tests. 
And I wasn't real crazy about doing that, but I had to do that. Now, tests are external challenges that are meant to develop inner character. You know that? Inner, external challenges that are meant to develop inner character. Whenever I take a test, I found out what I don't know. <laughs> and when I go through a testing time with the Lord, I find out some things that I didn't realize. I didn't know. Testing develops you for what you will face in the future. That's why he allows us to go through testing. Because he knows there's things that we're going to face in the future and that we could not face in the future if we would not learn to have faith and trust in him. We would not be able to go through them. Think about the people, the, the Israelites. And they're going through the wilderness and they're complaining and grumbling and they're all upset. God wanted them to learn how to trust him. And that's what we all have to learn. That no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it looks, we have to trust him. Zechariah 13.9 says, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will test them as gold is tested. As gold. So he's taken us through the fire. We're not going to get burned. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went through the fiery furnace and there was a fourth one in with them. It was Jesus. He was in there dancing around with them. And that is where he is at with us. And sometimes you're like, yeah, well, I don't always feel that. Well, yeah, feelings really are deceiving. <laughs> because God's word says that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And he's right here right now. And yet, when we're going through really hard times, where are we at? What are we thinking The dream that I had of the drawers that he was showing me and those that he wouldn't show me. He showed me that it was not time yet because I couldn't handle it. And so what happens is God conceals things before he's ready to reveal things. Always hidden, which I believe there's a lot going on in this nation that's hidden. And then he will reveal it but he conceals it first. And then he waits. And now here's the test. When God gives you a revelation, what will you do with his revelation, his revealed knowledge? How will you treat others in the midst of this? What will you say and how will you say it? Your test is gonna be your testimony. The greater the test, the greater the testimony. So if you're going through something that's really, really difficult, it's a great test. But it's because you're going to have a greater testimony. So think of that. And then I received another gift, and that was knowing God's love for me. I received that because I never knew that. Because when you know about God, you really don't know the love that he has for you. Oh, you hear it, but you don't really know it. 
because you haven't experienced it. But when you go through suffering, you experience his love greater than what you've ever experienced it. I've learned that it's not about how much I love God, but how much he loves me. No matter how much I love him, it doesn't compare to how much he loves me and he loves you. Jesus gave us a blood transfusion when he was crucified on the cross in order to start the flow of God's love to our cold hearts. That's what we're born with, cold hearts. He became the donor who gave us precious blood. Think of that for all of us, for all of his creation. I was asking the Lord this question. Why is John called the disciple whom Jesus loved? Was he the only disciple that Jesus loved? No, but he was the one that recognized that Jesus loved him so much. And that's why he would always say the disciple whom Jesus loved. Always. You see, we need to boast of God's love for us that will cause us to love him more and other people to love. When you go out and you tell people about the love of God and you, how much you know that he loves me and how much he loves you, they're kind of taken back by that because they haven't known God's love. And God wants us all to know his love. One morning I was reading in Matthew eleven twenty to 22, and it says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been formed, yeah, performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. When I read this, it bothered me. I asked the Lord why he would perform miracles in a town that would never believe in him, that didn't want anything to do with him. Why would he do that? And I never have forgotten this. And I want you to remember this. This was his answer to me because I love them. Think about the ones that don't accept him today and may never accept him. But God loves them. He loves them. And I remember when he said, because I love them, it just broke me. I could feel his presence of love just surrounding me. Because it was like, wow, God, you love them when they have nothing to do with you. They have said things against you. They've made fun of you. You love them. And that's what he's saying to all of us today. I love you. And, you know, there were times, you know, that I would say, cross your arms and just say, God loves me. I'm going to have you do that this morning because I feel like God wants to really get himself across here. 
to really know his love, how much he loves you. So cross your arms and say, God loves me. Just close your eyes and imagine he's right here. Envision him. God loves me. And again, God loves me. One more time. God loves me. Wow. How's that make you feel? Amazing. Amazing God. There's so many more gifts that I received, but not enough time to tell them all. So we'll be bringing some more of those in. Malachi 4.2 says, But unto you who revere and worshipfully fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings and his beams. And you shall go forth like calves released from the stall. Freedom, joy. Think about calves that just get, you know, kick up their heels and just excited, you know, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Well, we are free. When we've accepted Jesus into our heart, we have that freedom. We have that love. And I'd like to encourage you to touch God today with the darkest, the most painful, the most ungodly part of your life that you may find healing in his wings. This Christmas, let's remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And as you make up your things to do list, place Jesus at the top. Lay all of your problems at his feet and you will truly have a merry heart that brings a cheerful disposition without the gloom and doom of this world. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. That we don't have to walk around with gloom and doom. That no matter what is going on in this world, we are in it, but we are not of it. Thank you, Father, for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for our deliverance and our healing. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave and you never forsake us, that you're always here. And we thank you that you're our rear guard to protect us, that the angel of the Lord is encamped around us, that you pitched a tent and you're resting with us. Thank you that you've already walked our journey, that no matter what sudden changes come, you're already ahead of it. You already knew it was going to take place, but you already have it worked out. So that you were going to show yourself strong to each one of us. And thank you that you are within us. That we have the kingdom of God within us. We are so blessed. Let us remember how blessed we are, Father. And I speak healing upon each one 
physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental healing. I speak favor upon favor, blessings upon blessings, mercy upon mercy, and grace upon grace. God loves you, and so do we.